Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Australia podcast that asks the question, what am I doing here? I could literally be talking to rappers and TikTok stars in my DMs <laughs> like right now. My name is Max Quinn. Cooking up hit singles for Young Thug and the Chain Smokers is super producer Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Hi, Xavier. Hello, Max. I normally do a lot of DMing whilst we're recording. I don't know if you can even yeah, tell, but... Kind of two birds, one stone situation. Yeah. Is it lit where you are? Uh, yeah, it's lit AF, you could say. Mm, yeah. Mm, good, good. Uh, and making his first appearance here on the BOH pod, he is a two-time veteran of the Bachelor franchise from Angie season in 2019 and Paradise earlier this year. He is the man of a million first names. Greg, Gavin, Gremlin, the blonde hair glistening king of temperate air conditioning, the benevolent barrister of the Buller Banquet and WA Club Cricket Royalty. It's a big <laughs> Bachelor of Hearts. Hello to... Sorry, what was your name? Glenn. Glenn! Hello, Glenn! How are we, guys? Great <laughs> to be here. Very excited. It's such a pleasure. How are you? I'm good, good, good. Yeah, life is good. Just um, here in WA and, um, yeah, enjoying my... Enjoying locking Alicia in WA at the moment, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will lean on your expertise uh, with the Bachelor franchise as we move through these episodes. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to Bella and Irina and a glorious goodbye to Juliet on the way. But before we get there, Glenn, can we just get a bit of a post-paradise update from you? What does life look like now? Are you are you happy? Yeah, definitely. Oh, life is honestly the happiest I've ever been. Like, life is good. Yeah. It's back to normal. Like, I'm just, you know... Back to running my business, Alicia's got a job and we're just, you know, we're just living our normal lives. Like it's un, uneventful most of the time. So yeah, it's just normal life. Well, that's kind of exciting though, because we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that this happened for you in kind of unprecedented circumstances. Like Paradise finishes filming towards the end of last year and then there's really only a couple of months until the world is turned on its ear, at which time Alicia moves all the way across the country to be with you in Perth. What was that like? Yeah, I think at the time, like you look back and it was very unnerving. Like we were, the first few months after Paradise, we were jet setting around Australia and the world, just catching up and really enjoying that initial start to the relationship. And then, you know, it quickly changed and mm. we, we, we just decided to get Alicia on a plane to, to Perth um, and beat the hard border closure by only a few days, I think. And yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah, she's been stuck here ever since, but it's just, it's kind of forced her hand to, um, you know, build our relationship, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah, it's one of those things that I know that uh, we here on the pod and our listeners as well are super invested in and happy that 
things have gone so well for the two of you. Um, actually, if they're not if not already, let's make sure we hit this right up the top. Um, where can we find you on Instagram? Glenn Smith eighty seven. Great. And now watching this new season of Batchy play out and having this whole new life, is it weird? It's weird just, like, I think being on the other side now. Like, I was never a huge, you know, in the batch world. I'd watch seasons but not get invested. And I think since being on it, you sort of sit here in a different perspective and watch, you know, people vying for love. And, and yeah, I find it interesting but also very interesting to sit there on the couch with Alicia and, and just, you know, break it down together. Yeah, right, having different experiences of what you've seen and gone through. Yeah, I guess I was a bit curious because, like, we know Alicia is, like, a big Bachelor fan. She has been for a long time and that sort of thing. And I was wondering about, like, what your journey to being on the show was like, um, especially if you weren't quite as invested beforehand. Yeah, so, like, I, I got approached to go on the show and then I sort of just entertained it like most people. You sort of got approached, went to a casting audition and, and next minute you've got Warner Brothers going, uh, you're on the show. And I was like, oh, crap, I've got to make a decision here. And, <laughs> and, and be it, mate, like, I have a business partner. Just He, he supported me and goes, it's, you've got to just give it a shot. And, yeah, and mm. yeah, that was pretty much it. Jumped in and, and then Paradise was the same. Like, I, I, after getting the edit I got, I was like, no, no airtime. <laughs> I think I got a call two, two or three weeks before. And I was like, um, do, do, have you called the right person? Um, <laughs> do you know who I am? No one knows who I am. Like, why, am I, why do you want to cast me? And why did they want to cast you? Um, they didn't really go into details. I think they said s- some people had asked maybe to see me there and, and yeah, that wow. was about it. So, um, and I was like, you sure? Like they're asking about the right person again. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, most it was, of my mates didn't even see me. Yeah. It was a bit of like, I almost want to say like a bit of a meme of like, you were kind of just hanging out in the background a lot of the time. Were you like watching those episodes back and being like, well, I swear I was doing something like. Yeah, I, th- I think I you come off you come off the show and I knew exactly the edit I was going. I knew I was not going to get a lot of airtime and and when it came around, I just sort of embraced it for what it was. And yeah, I loved you know the the all that that went along with it. You've got to embrace it what it is. And um, I I had a laugh and that's I think I was trying to take as much the Mickey out of myself when Paradise came wrong because people were like who is this guy? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you have was your business partner like? I, what did you take that time off for? I didn't see you on the show. Yeah, I think in the first one I was like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, fair enough. It's a bit of an experience. I think the second time that was like he was, again, very supportive. Like, look, you're never going to have a chance to, you know, have a free holiday in Fiji. And I think that time probably stressed, stretched the, um, the business friendship a little bit. But um, having, like, I have to thank him, like, the most, I guess. He gave yeah. me the opportunity, oh, yeah. like, to to obviously meet Alicia, so I, I've always been indebted to him. So I, I'm glad I came away with something tangible this time. Business is booming now. Um, where can we find you if we want to get our air conditioner fixed in Perth? Perth City Air is, um, yes. is my little small business. Um, keeps me busy and, yeah, that's um, keeps me level-headed and, and keeps me, um, yeah, just doing my thing. Level-headed and doing your thing is, I feel like, exactly the way that you were portrayed on the show and uh, we'll get... A little bit more into that as we continue. I would say off the top, it has been a weird season. And if I can say a, a weird couple of episodes too with a lot of carnage, like mm. a group date and two single dates, a cocktail party, whatever happened with Juliet. Um, yeah, a lot of people being sent home. Yeah, um, Bella's blood feud with Irina. They were really trying to jam-pack that in after the, the, the COVID, weren't they? They, yeah. they, had, they had a target they had to meet and they were going to... 
jam pack as much in as the few episodes they could. I think there was also maybe a target of um, SpawnCon that they had to reach oh. these episodes as well. <laughs> We've been talking about that this this season. The amount of SpawnCon that has been going on, it's mm. like they're, they're, they're dropping the magnums in left, right and centre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if maybe like because of pandemic stretching things out so long and meaning that they have to kind of keep people uh, – employed or i mean i don't know how the structure of the organization works or whatever but you would think that they i guess have some costs to make up at the end of the day and maybe that's why they're scrambling to um you know show us yeah it's definitely the fact like i think like we only had fiji water a few times and that was hardly put in but this season it's just been next level mm. and yeah some For of the sure. spawn you don't even know what it is they they all the girls are carrying this blue water bottle and you're like what is that yeah that's true <laughs> Yeah, I should say this podcast also brought to you by a mysterious blue water bottle. Yeah. Get some, India. Mm-hmm. This was the pace that I loved for The Bachelor. This kind of suit, like they packed a lot in, but I kind of loved it, especially for that first episode. It felt like there was something happening all the time. A lot of narrative exposition. I wonder if now is the time for us to slide into our recap of The Bachelor Australia Season 8 Episode 11. And I want to start by saying if you have never watched this show with closed captions on... You are missing out. The first caption this week was simply in all caps, bird song. <laughs> <laughs> and then the closed captioner also makes the choice not to call any of the women by their names, but instead addresses them as just woman one, <laughs> woman two, and so on. They had a new person doing the captions this week and they haven't seen any of the previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting physical to begin with. Lucky reveals to us that he was having quite a hard time getting physical with the women over the internet during virtual lockdown. And so we've brought in intimacy coach Georgia Gray to help fix things with an exercise that she calls touch and touch only. Sorry, I need to correct you because her name is Georgia Grace. I feel like we should get that right. Georgia Grace? Yeah, I went on her website. (laughs) Good research. (laughs) It's a very good website. It's very professional. (laughs) Um, so Georgia asks if there's anywhere that Lockie doesn't want to be touched and Lockie responds to say that he'd like to avoid being touched spiritually or emotionally, um, (laughs) but that nowhere on his physical body is off limits. And Glenn, we've seen you get touched on the physical body, uh, on one of these dates in paradise. What's the key to making the most out of this touchy feely date? Cause it's a weird premise. I think, um, one, you've got to forget that there's about 15 other people in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it's strange. But I have to say, like, coming back from, like, the COVID lockdowns, for them to go straight into the touching and feeling and kissing, I was like, wow, okay, they're not, they're not going to be socially distancing at all in this right. episode. And they're just diving straight back in. But, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, Lucky, I think that was straight up his alley. I think um, he, he really wants, he's a physical guy. Like, we've seen that from the get-go. He, he wants to connect with the girls on every level. And I think... He's been a bachelor um, that's been different to the previous ones where he really wants to be touching, feely, get to kiss every girl, feel those feelings where I think previous bachelors have been holding off. They don't want to show their cards too much. So, no, it was great. What I like about that from Lockie is it sort of shows a sense of progression and acceptance with the franchise that not every, like, attainable man has to be a fucking prude. Yeah, exactly. And I think we – I connected with him more about, you know – I know I could never be The Bachelor because, like, I would be like, nah, don't have any feelings for you. Like, I'm going to sit a metre away from you. <laughs> whereas, whereas he's like, nah, I'm going to just go all in and, um, and, and just see what happens. 
he's definitely like willing to entertain the possibility with everybody, which is really makes for compelling TV. And so the idea here is that the women will have to touch Loki up and then leave their mark on him like he is their territorial property like they own the deed to his physical being like they're puppy dogs and he's a fire hydrant sorry the idea is also that they are meant to touch Loki on the part of his body that they missed the most (laughs) which I think is really interesting because like you know you get like Caitlin putting her hands all over his torso and then like doing a big smooch on the neck but then you have somebody like uh, I think it's Maddie who just like kind of lightly touches his hand (laughs) yeah I really missed your neck bro (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's... <laughs> and it, was it Steph who just went in straight for the kiss? I thought that was very ballsy in a way. Like, you, she hadn't had a date and, you know, she'd obviously come back and goes, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm not going to sit in the wings anymore and, and just see, see where this can go. Yeah, for sure. I want to um, double back and uh, talk about everything that happens with Bella and Irina here, but let's quickly address this with Steph. Um, she, as you say, just goes for it, plants one on Lockie, lock of the lips, and then suddenly for the very first time here on the BOH pod... It is time to play a brand new game called Kiss or Fish. It's the game that's sweeping the nation while everybody's staying inside. It's the game that everyone's playing as we're swimming down the river of life. Is it a human woman or a giant trout? That's what the bachelor is trying to figure out. That's why we play kiss or fish. That's right, it is time for kiss or fish, the new game that's sweeping the entire BOH nation. These are the rules, gentlemen. It's the first of three in a series in which you have to guess whether what I... Your esteemed host, Max Quinn. I'm reading you is a direct quote from our bachelor, Lockie Gilbert, describing a woman that he is dating. Or if it is a quote from notorious fishing maverick Rex Hunt. We've talked in previous episodes about, hey, Lockie sometimes talks about these women as if he is talking about a big fish that he's just pulled off the boat. And uh, I wanted to sort of explore that. Think about the vernacular that we use in describing these women and uh, the vernacular that we use in describing these fish as well. Xavier, I know you've done a little bit of research into Rex Hunt this week. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to do a little bit of a, like, lay the groundwork for anyone who's not familiar because obviously, like, you know, he was on TV for a number of years. I think he had a show on Channel 7, um, Rex Hunt's Fishing Adventures. But I just wanted to see what comes up if you Google (laughs) Rex Hunt. Uh, And there's just a little, like, 20-second explainer, which is a video called Rex Hunt Has a Message for You, where he says some of his classic catchphrases. (laughs) Love that. G'day, folks. I'm Rex Hunt. Why don't you get to the Lake Eildon Boating and Fishing Show and discover all the latest in boating, houseboats and fishing gear. And the kids, there's plenty of things to do and more, and it's all free of charge. Discover Lake Eldon, October 11th through 13, and yibbity yibbity. Doesn't get any better than that, folks. Yibbity yibbity. Yibbity yibbity. He says, there's plenty to do and more. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, the way that we'll do this is your name is your buzzer, which means that uh, Xavier, you buzz in by saying, Xavier, can you test that out for me? Okay, Xavier. That works. And Glenn, you, of course, buzz in by saying, Greg, would you like to test out your buzzer for me? Glenn, Greg, sorry. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the first one, the first quote I'll read you, uh, an obvious one to start with. Was it Lucky or Rex Hunt who said, whammo, lands a big one on me? <laughs> Greg. <laughs> Greg. 
It's got to be Rex. Come on. No, it's Lucky. <laughs> You're kidding me. Nope. <laughs> when you said an obvious one, I was bracing for something. Yeah, that was not obvious. I was like, that's got to be Rex. <laughs> okay, what about this one? Uh, now that is an amazing thing. Look at that. Xavi. Xavi? I'm going to say it could really be either, but maybe Rex? Ding, ding. Rex Hunt. Oh. It is. The score as they stand, Xavier Redskin on one point, Glenn on zero points. Let's move on to this one. G'day, gorgeous. Rex. Oh, I mean Glenn. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, um, that would be, I reckon that's lucky. It is. Ding, ding. Lucky is the correct answer. The scores are one to one. What about this one? Why would you want to be in the sack when you could be out in a beautiful country like this? Xavi? Yes. That's, I don't remember hearing Lockie say that. That's got to be Rex. It is. It is indeed <laughs> Rex Hunt. Let's move on. This one. Four. She's freaking amazing. Greg. Greg. That's got to be Lockie again. It is lucky again. Okay, so <laughs> we brought it to this. The scores oh, are tied 2-2 two, two with one more quote to go. Here it is for you. Are you ready? <clears throat> the old smacker Fitzgibbon, the old Ray, hey, the old banjo shark. la da dung 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 <laughs> Greg. Save it. Oh, you got it. Greg's in. Um, that's got to be Rex then. It is. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to hear Lockie say that though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the season is over yet. <laughs> <laughs> if you have never seen a man pick up a wobbygong and play it like a banjo, um, which I hadn't until today, I'll admit that. I have to go on record and say that I have also not seen that. <laughs> Lockie and Lockie and Rex have a lot in common. They they kiss a lot of um, fish or girls. So they do. Great. Yeah, there's a lot of fish kissing and a lot of throwing back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I played that video so many times this morning and my fiancé Danny was just like, I hate it. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then I was like, I need to have physical documentation of the problems that this man Rex Hunt can cause in a relationship. Zave, uh, I sent you a clip earlier. Yes, yes, I'll play the clip. <laughs> what, is, what is the problem? I'm trying to do some work. We've both agreed we have a little bit of work to do on a Sunday. And I'm trying to work, but you keep saying da da dang 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 and showing me various fishing videos. And that's not what we agreed. <laughs> so the engagement party you guys are having in December, is that off now? Yeah, yeah the engagement's off. Instead, I'm marrying uh, I'm marrying a fish. Greg, congratulations, <laughs> the winner of the inaugural game of Kiss or Fish, probably the wow. last one ever here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. <laughs> Love it. Hey, uh, so Lockie says that this is the first touch that he has received in months. He's gone so long without kissing or touching, he says, and certainly hasn't been physically touched by any of the women from Married at First Sight during the pandemic. Why do you ask? (laughs) 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 Bella gives Lucky a kiss on the heart. Oh, it's their thing, she explains, him having a heart and her being possessive of it. But then Irina... (laughs) It is interesting... 
Because Bella's justification is like, I kissed him. I, I I kissed him on the heart because on the red carpet, I wanted him to wear his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. But it's like you had another option, right? <laughs> hey, could have gone for the sleeve. Very yeah, exactly. Uh, Kiss his wrist. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, Irina draws a heart on Lockie in the same spot because it's their thing. She explains him having a heart and her being possessive of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is enough to infuriate Bella, who claims that Irina drew over Bella's heart kiss with a lipstick picture of her own like a total bitch. How dare you? Fuck you. There's so much quibbling uh, about this. And look, I don't know how I feel about it. Bella says that Irina drew over her kiss. Irina says that the drawing was to the left of the heart, technically. And then Irina says to the camera that she, in fact, works in the medical field. So, obviously, she knows where the heart is to a greater degree of accuracy than stupid Bella, who probably kissed his shoulder instead, self-satisfied smirk. Okay, but can we talk about this? Yes. Because Irina is way off. I looked up the <laughs> diagram because she, she goes to the lengths of saying, like, you know, I studied anatomy and I know exactly where the heart is. But it's, like, way too far to the side. It's, like, almost in the middle, a little bit to the side. Terrible. Terrible. She should lose her license. Now, look, Glenn, you mediated your fair share of pettiness in paradise. I did. How would you mm. uh, advise the women in this kind of situation? How do you mediate this kind of conflict? Well, I don't know if you can meet it, this kind of conflict, but um, I think it was, I, from my position, I, I can clearly see that the Bella's lips were nowhere near the heart. And, yeah, as, as Xavier said, I don't think that, <laughs> that um, Irina's heart was anywhere near the actual heart. And, and to then prop up that you, you did biology and human biology and that you know that, I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think someone needed to step in and just be like, you're both wrong. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> someone pulls out a diagram. Yeah, like exactly. Like cross-section. <laughs> If it were me, I would say probably the best way to sort of settle this down and get everyone back to like a calm place or whatever is, you know, bring out something that I think is just going to calm everyone down and make for a good time. And what is a more comforting treat than a delicious pink chocolate ice cream from Magnum? (laughs) which they like crash zoom right in on and everybody is eating them like face out to camera in what I would consider to be some extremely, extremely subtle sponsored, sponsored content, content products. I feel like we're leaning so heavy on the sound. Oh, the sound effects are coming in big. Yeah, you guys are doing good. Hey, we don't need a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Edit me out. What we're going to do is put all of your audio on the soundboard and then we can scatter it across future episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We might even go back and uh, take where you just said, edit me out, and um, place it right next to where <laughs> Kira said, edit me out in paradise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice synonym. Synonym is a word that I've made up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, it is though the kind of edit that you received in paradise, Glenn, this like head on your shoulders, emotionally responsible king. And we had some... Uh, listeners write in and ask about this um, as we were going through the week. We told people that uh, you'd be on the pod and our friend Shana DM'd to ask how cognizant you were of the need to really like manage expectations in paradise, whether you were mediating conflict or whether you were, um, you know, talking to people about mm, the language of of love and their emotions and yours. Um, Yeah, I guess um, I just, I'm a good listener. I think that's what um, I've found and I know that about myself and that's why I think yeah. Alicia and I work so well like I hold space for people I'll let them talk and I'll really drill down on sort of what people um, 
you know, a feeling at any one time. Um, and that's why me and Alicia were so good. But I, I really found that with Kieran, like me and Kieran actually roomed together for the month in Fiji. Um, yeah. And mm. I really spent a lot of time drilling down on what was happening to him and, and, and really helped him um, try and get through some of those hectic um, bullet banquets. And I yeah. think um, some people don't, you know, they're, they're so guarded in these, in these shows and they don't let their vulnerability come out. And I think that's where, like, I tried to break people down and be like, just be yourself, don't, don't try and be someone you're not. And I think that's where people get a bit lost on these shows. Do you feel like it fell to you quite often to, to act as the voice of reason? Um, I think it's just in, in that environment, I, I felt like the dad, like I really did. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I see myself as quite a young person. I'm like 33, like pretty old in, in the scheme of, you know, vaccination kind of stuff. But I just felt like the older dad sort of person. And, and I got called the voice of reason by producers. Like they would be like, Glenn, you're the voice of reason. Like, and yeah, I right. would just step in at times. Like when, when I felt needed, I, I wouldn't jump in when, you know, on every argument, every, every time. And I think yeah. it, that was really portrayed quite well. Cause like I, the time I stuck, stuck up for Alicia and then the time, like the boys were getting out of control and I would step in, in Tim or, you know, they were having their fight. Like, like you let them run and then you just pull them back in the line. And that's what I was sort of felt comfortable to do. Well, it is that interesting thing where it's a bit of a balance because if you have somebody who is, you know, level-headed or is like viewing things from maybe a, a pace back or whatever at, at every moment or in every conflict, then there's no show left anymore. You know, <laughs> like at a certain point, if there's a mediator, then, you know. That's it. If it was, it was, it was a story about me, like there would be no plot line. It would just be boring. Be like, oh yeah, but let's just like break this down. Let's not raise our voices and <laughs> let's talk this through. Like, like you need some drama and like, I don't know. It's yeah. It was, it was fun being the meteorite actually. I, I really enjoyed it. Like I never sort of get too ahead of myself, but it was quite, you know, I just knew when the time was to speak up. I think often when we're discussing the bachelor, we have a bit of like a fantasy version of it in our minds where like, you know, the drama is not a focus so much as it is like we're just kind of doing romantic stuff and like while that is an aspect of the show like of course you kind of need to have both oh you definitely need to have both like like and it's so funny you watching like paradise back and all the commentary around it like in the beginning it's like there's all the drama there's no love story and then like the love story comes out and the people are like where's the drama like it's like right. <laughs> there's they've got to have the the happy medium of both or it's not a tv show that's totally. it yeah, yeah. um so this TV show, Steph and Lockie's Extra Time. Oh, my God. Can mm. we talk about it? It takes mm. place at the magical quote. And what happens here is that we get enough exposition to establish that Steph and Lockie are having a fun, funny time. But Steph, as it turns out, is simply not serious enough as a woman for the man who spends his time freebasing off of buildings and drawing explicit parallels with TV fishing mavericks who play wobby gongs <laughs> as if they are banjos. <laughs> Um, yeah, S Steph has kind of presented in this series as a bit of like a lovable goofball. And, you know, the focus of this date, I suppose, is like, is there anything more serious? Yeah. I don't think there's much of an effort made to like allow for that to happen, really. Um, but Steph does like open it up by saying like, when I sent you that cat video and then she kind of cracks up laughing. Yeah. She's like, if I remembered anything in my life that fondly. Thomas and a cat video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. This is just my favorite bit of this alone time, which is just a short clip. I'm having a great time with Steph, but I'm not too sure I'm feeling it. You laugh at me all the time. <laughs> I do. I hang some shit on you. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> he's like, 
<laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It's whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, can we ask about your time on Angie's season here, Glenn? We know that you didn't get a lot of camera time, but how soon into the process did you realise maybe that there wasn't anything more serious to be pursued there? Um, yeah, I think I knew really early on, I think. Yeah. Um, but it, it is what I think people talk about. It's a competition. Like, people think it's a love story, but I think there is that um, competition element. And I think, like, I knew early on there was nothing. Like, you sit down, you have a chat with a girl, you know there's nothing really happening. And, like, I'm pretty present in that. I'm like, oh, I can keep going. We, we might find a spark. I was like, no, there's not. But then you, you get in the competition part and then I was like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure I'm going home. And then for about three weeks I thought I was going home and I wasn't. And then finally when I did, I think the last conversation I had with Angie, I was like, like I, I pretty much just, like, just said how it was and like I don't know what you'd seen all these other guys and off I went so um, yeah yeah it, it's very much a competition sometimes and it, it does have that element to it but then you you have the people you could see the people really getting invested like the I saw Carl and I roomed with Carl and I saw him for 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 her and then he questioned it halfway through because he wasn't getting any time with her again and it's yeah it's a slippery slope so well I guess you exist in this manufactured environment that's predicated on um pulling those kind of feelings out of people. And I'm always interested in the, the perspective of the people who are there, but maybe aren't feeling the feelings that the show is trying to extract. Mm. Yeah. Like it's sort of, I, I think you're battling your, with yourself as well. Cause you like, you're questioning yourself at every point. I remember it wasn't until I left, like the night I left, I was like, oh, there wasn't really anything there. But in the, in the moment when you're in that environment, you're in the match and you're always going, is there something or is like, is yeah. she, you know, is she, am I going to get the next date? And, but then when you reflect on it, um, yeah, you realise that there really wasn't anything there. So Yeah. Um, mm. And it must have been an entirely different situation for you to uh, to walk into paradise and go, you know, like, oh, that's how it happens. That's how it's meant to feel on something like this. Yeah, and I think, like, for me, like, the paradise was just like, I don't know, you meet a girl, you literally fall in love straight away. And that's, it was, yeah. it was paradise was a different experience in, like, there was nothing fabricated. Like it, there wasn't like a mild connection and we had to sort of, you know, force it along as maybe some other people did. Like with Alicia and I, it was just like, bang, there was something there. And I forgot about the cameras and it, like uh, my memories of it is just like we're on holiday together getting to know each other. So Yeah, yeah, yeah which is really lovely and you see it. it. It's the kind of thing that makes for compelling TV. and For sure, yeah. 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 And I think like... The thing I I didn't worry about anything like for the you know because you experience it then you wait for the the show to come out for me like I was like I just hope I was hoping that um, people were gonna see what I felt if you know what I mean yeah. I remember coming home yeah. and telling my mum and and my mum wasn't you know the happiest about me going on the show for the second <laughs> time let alone the first and and I remember coming home and it was a really big shock for me to come home and be like I was on cloud nine I've met this girl and mum and my sister were like bang just up a wall like they just like gave me nothing and I was like wow like that was grounded yeah. me straight away and and it wasn't and I told a few people you know until that show it got shown again and I'm so glad it was portrayed exactly how it happened because it was like a relief in that sense that how I remember it um, was really really shown through on the screen yeah do you find that it was that even-handed for everyone on the season I don't want you to speak for other people but I also want you to speak for like the experience that you had in watching these situations play out and the drama that was like drummed up by the TV show in some senses. Yeah. Like I guess a lot of people like in any of these, you know, um, TV shows, like people go like they were badly edited and, and this, and, and my takeaway from being on two shows is that no one, no one is like a bad edit. I think what happens is that 
you get your edit and my edit being a good edit, like they, you know, I had the love story. Um, I'm, I probably said some controversial things, but they didn't really play them where other people, you know, said some more controversial things, but they continually say the same things and then, and then they yeah. get that edit. I don't think you can blame an edit. It's just like they drill down on one party personality and that's what happens. Like I'm lucky I got the good side of my personality. Um, yeah. And mm. yeah, I think like people really do battle with that. I obviously haven't been on the other side of a bad edit, but um, yeah, I, I think you really do see people's personalities how they are. They, every person I've met who's been on a show um, were portrayed exactly how they were. So Yeah, mm. fabulous. Mm. And it's like... Um, the extent to which you see that side of your personality and um, see it within yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think people, like I've said it many times, people are maybe not so self-aware that they say yeah. these things continuously and, and that's where, like, you know, they will get edited in such a way. And I think it, it gives people, I think, a lot, you know, I hope people when they do get maybe battered or something, they self-reflect a bit about, hey, this is actually me. Maybe I need to just have a look at that part of my personality. Right, because mm. like some mm. of it is definitely just a question of volume. I can speak to this with my own experience working in TV and editing things like uh, and radio as well. If someone's saying the same thing, it feels like that's the point that they want to make or the thing that's coming across most prominently about who they are. And it's mm. one of those things where you're like, okay, cool. Like this is, the, this is what I'm experiencing as an editor of this kind of content. What do I do with it other than put it forward as strongly as it came across? Exactly. Yeah. I think like... Everyone has, you know, like parts of their personality that really shine through and, and it's just objectively what the editors are going to do. They're going to make that part of your sh- personality shine. So Fully. Luckily, I apparently am a very good person. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think Alicia was like, uh, early on, Alicia was like, does Glenn have any spiciness? And I was like, just, you know, let, hold on, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think when we when we put this podcast out, we'll try and give you the worst edit possible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just yeah. for the experience. Yeah, great. What it's Love like. that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the Daily Mail headlines. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we're jamming in a uh, single date as well. So we're speeding through them on this episode. Lockie picks Irina as his woman to be outdoors with this week. <laughs> right. He says, like, today's all about what I love. And I'm like, great, finally. <laughs> He's Just like, I love the outdoors. Different. I love camping. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised to hear he was so interested in camping and biking and all this stuff. Was really unlocking something about him this episode. Pun intended. They ride bikes. They will be glamping. And Irina is stoked with this. But not stoked is Bella, who tells the other women that Irina is full of shit. She's spinning a web of lies, she says, adding that Irina actually does not like going outdoors all day and hiking up mountains very much at all. I, I wonder if her like reasoning for this is like, yeah, actually, Bella hasn't been going outdoors that much over the last few months at all. <laughs> <laughs> She's been avoiding it, and she actually also tends to keep like one and a half meters distance between her. <laughs> I guess that's interesting. Like Bella's entire experience of Irina is we're locked down together in a mansion, and then literally everyone in the country is locked down in your own place. But right. What happens is that we get this counterpoint from Caitlin, who secondarily I think might rule. I really have come to like Caitlin this season. She, um, mm. I think, is occupying the voice of reason archetype for the final 10, 8, whatever we were. And mm. she says that Irina has actually told her from day dot that she in fact loves hiking very much. And I think it's worth noting that the show 
has chosen to include this, you know, like they're showing the other side and they're doing it, I think, to make uh, Bella seem to quote our Lord and Savior Jamie Doran uh, disingenuous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ingenuine. Ingenuine. <laughs> uh. Well, the date itself is fine. Like we see them riding bikes. Irina says that being outside is the dream. We also uh, learn that Lockie thinks that Irina is pretty perfect and then calls her his girlfriend. Is this allowed? Right. This is the most interesting thing about this date to me is that he kind of just drops that out of nowhere and they don't really interrogate this thought very much, but I'm so curious about it. Like, does he think that they're all his girlfriends or is this an indication that Irina, as we kind of feel, is is on a different level or what's the situation here? Yeah, it's it's really hard. I wonder about the vernacular of um, calling people your girlfriend, calling people like that you are on this reality TV show with in the terminology that you choose. How long until you started calling Alicia your girlfriend? Um, I think that was not until the finale. Like <laughs> mm. I, straight mm. after the finale, like we said, I love you. And Alicia just shouts out like, instantaneous like does this mean we're boyfriend and girlfriend and like i was like yeah "Yeah, of course like (laughs) yeah 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 so it was yeah immediate (laughs) but i think in the context of you know Lockie dating a couple of girls like and him saying that i think that that's sort of like you know giving one girl maybe a a bit of a a, you know a a leg up and saying that he's really interested in her so right Mm. maybe it's that way of like if if you're the bachelor you want to be able to in some way subtly create the, I don't know, like set the table for how things are going to end up or whatever. You know, you, like, I guess if you actually care about these people, you don't necessarily want to blindside them yeah. or anything like that. You want to... And, and funny because um, even when Alicia and I were in paradise, like we weren't competing against anyone else. And yet yeah. we were like, we looked at each other and had a conversation. Is like, we, I know how you feel and you know how I feel and we wouldn't say the L word when instinctively you might do it. We were like, let's, it was like, we just had this thing, like we'll hold on to the end. And it was like, we weren't like competing against like 10 other women or 10 other guys, but yet we're right. still in this environment. We're just edging away, like just trying to keep, keep, mm. keep, us, keep, keep each other at bay. Right. And I think that that is um, part and parcel of how this show works to a certain extent, where we know that this kind of stuff is saved for, the save for the pointy end and to um the payoff i think the television payoff uh, as much as uh, you are saying you know we're trying to keep each other at bay at the same time the television payoff was immense watching it happen it was really lovely Mm. yeah so then Lockie says this i know if i'm coming back to irena i'm going to be patched up and cuddled which okay freud (laughs) Mm, like this is an interesting it's a dynamic yeah to use a modern parlance they've um I think it goes macaroni in a pot for that wet ass Oedipusy. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, you're always hearing it. You're hearing mm. it more and more. <laughs> yep. Mm. Also, lol that the thing that Lucky likes about Irina most of all is that he can make her do her job as a nurse for free at home. Oh, fuck, that's too real, man. Yeah. That's really <laughs> true. <laughs> It is like the thing that I like about her is the thing that her job title is, essentially, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's going to pat, patch him up after all his accidents, adventures right. around the world. Yeah. Right, when he well, comes I mean, off his bike or mountain. <laughs> <laughs> they get to this little, like they get inside the tent. I, they keep calling it a swag, which for some reason, I guess that's accurate, but I've just never heard that word so many times before. Um, and they have a kiss and then Irina declares her intention to drop a 
bombshell on Loki, and we all go, oh my god, what does it mean? Yeah, this is funny. Um, she says that she has a little bombshell to drop, you know, just like a tiny Bubby WMD. <laughs> is that a pocket rocket? <laughs> <laughs> I really thought it was going to be something controversial. I was really, too, it was, they really right. built it up, and I was like, what has she been hiding this whole time? I can't believe it. And then I was like, yeah. totally, yeah. <laughs> we like, does she have this a is kid? The, this is the way that they set up someone having a kid or something like that, for sure. <laughs> right. And I think what the show was trying to do was maybe steer it towards this idea that it might be all about like, Bella and their relationship. Sure. But what happens instead is that Irina ponies up with some really gooey feeling. She says, my feelings for you have grown so intensely over this time. I can't. This is later, right? This is when they cut to like night mode on yeah. the batchy couch yeah, and they yeah. have like marshmallows and a bucket of pure blondes. That's right. Yeah. And not the rest of the women from the house. They're not in a bucket. <laughs> it's, it's the beer that Lucky drinks. <laughs> My feelings for you have grown so intensely over this time. I can't picture my life and my future without you. There are so many things that I admire about you. So caring, but so strong. So confident, but not arrogant. So fresh, but not 100% hits. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I was looking for, but still didn't know I needed. I feel like I've fallen completely in love with you. This was kind of pretty. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's super nice. It it is early, like it's earlier than I think we're accustomed to, because I think it, within the span of their relationship, or at least what we've seen on TV, it's like I think their second date, maybe something like that. But they've also had two months of a pandemic in the middle to sort of like shore up these feelings. There was a lot of texting going on, apparently. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of easy to forget that, I guess, because it has felt so condensed. I think um like. I think that what this season's been different um, and what I've quite enjoyed because I think seeing Irina say that at this time has been quite refreshing because you can see she's genuinely in love with him. And, yeah. And them having that time apart where they've probably been able to talk, text all day, every day, you don't get that in the general normal batch environment in the mansion. So right. I think right. it's probably been more structured in that they have had more time to fall in love with each other. Yeah, um, and find a routine that works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and like all of those idiosyncrasies of conversation and that deeper level that you actually get to know someone on when you are falling in love with them, which is really like, I don't know, it's beautiful. And at the same time, you listen to her say it and it sounds like she's really deep in this. And Glenn, you've done the love confessional in paradise. How much practice do you do for that? Oh, like like that um, commitment ceremony speech, like yeah. that was a good few days of preparation, standing, <laughs> voicing it out, and I wrote these couple of paragraphs and then went completely off script. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. <That's> great. <laughs> I, I remember speaking to a producer afterwards and it was like, you, you didn't hit any like of the stuff you said. And I was like, yeah, well, I just spoke from the heart. It's just easier that way. And, yeah. And, and yeah. I think it's... In that moment, I, you could see that um, Irina had been building that up. She'd been planning, she'd been thinking about it. And I think there is so much pressure because you really want to hit those emotions, you want to hit those feelings that you're feeling and get it across. And I found it a lot easier on my time because Alicia said it straight back to me. But in right. that moment, I always find mm. so awkward. Like, I don't know if it's yep. just me, but the awkwardness of putting your heart on the line and the, the guy going, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, him being like, <laughs> I'm considering this. I've taken yeah. it under review. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Your call is important to us. So we'll get back to you. As soon as <laughs> so Lucky says to camera, when I fall in love, I fall hard and fast. And I feel like that's the direction I'm going in with Irina. And just take note of this for the purposes of comparison later, because he says, 
a pretty similar thing about his relationship with Bella next episode. And I know that the stakes that we're building to for this season they showed us in the preview were was Lockie crying at the end saying, I've fallen in love with two women. And the way right. that he's describing them here is so um, set up so similarly. But before we can get to that point, we have to go on yet another single date. And this time it's for Izzy. Can I just say, even before we get to that, there's this completely, like, it's probably 45 seconds long. It's very uh, insubstantial, but it's just a little chat between Beck and Maddie, and they are drinking some very fancy-looking juices and, like, kombuchas, and they're faced out to the camera, and it's, like, maybe the most transparently like we don't actually really even have a topic for this conversation it's kind of just like look at these juices <laughs> <laughs> so it's very much um in the batch world isn't it i think it was like if it's not a if it's not some juice it's some water or it's a magnum so do you want a coffee girls <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah we'll get to that again. that's a good one Mm. Um, yeah, so the date is for Izzy, uh, who I really have come to appreciate over the last couple of weeks. She was great on the Zoom date. She was funny on her re-entry to the mansion where she was like, I'm innocent. Yeah, true. And now we're giving her a great big ball of yarn to play with for no reason that I can think of. This is an interesting like setup for a date. I think they're trying to jam a lot into this episode, and I think maybe the the introduction to this is kind of uh, skipped almost. Yeah. Like we, we literally, like she's, we just cut to her standing on a pier out in the middle of the world. And in voiceover, she says, Lockie surprised me last night with a date card. And I was like, oh, I guess uh, Lockie also surprised like the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't catch it. Um, and then they show up at this like depressingly empty office space. I wonder why it's empty. Mm. Uh, where they have scattered a bunch of like clues and questions and activities about relationships or something. But again, they, it's not super well explained. Right. Exactly. So I think what it is, is this date from last season where you plot out your future on a great big timeline, except last season it got ruined because Eleanor simply did not want to do it. Um, <laughs> except this time with Silly String. Um, yeah, that's right. We learned that Lucky wants twins, a boy and a girl, but not right now. And the same for Izzy. Um, we also get the annual and very obligatory Batchy changing a nappy on a fake baby. Mm-hmm. Couldn't help themselves. Lockie responds to by doing it and then slamming the baby down on the table <laughs> and saying, time! <laughs> Showing his, um, yeah, his, his new, new dad skills he's going to have. You're like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They also, I think, make it about three paces in before it's like just the Bali question comes up where he's like, would you move to Bali? <laughs> it's the first thing that happens. Yeah, very important stuff. Um, we uh, also hear Izzy tell the camera that she wouldn't mind a little pash from the big boy, a cheeky smooch from the large lad, a tongue twister from Papa Mondo. <laughs> pash Papa Mondo she does and it's nice. And my question to the group is now this. Do we have enough in the edit to think that Izzy could surprise us as a dark horse? I think um, they've they've had a good connection, but she's um, she's been you know she's been behind the front two runners, and then she's she's a you know she's a horse that's going to come from behind and bolt through. But um, yeah, I I think if she'd had that um, first date that was maybe in person, there would yeah. have been a difference. Mm. But having a Zoom date and then you know right at the end having this warehouse office date. That is sort of trying to rush you, rush you through. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't know if she's ever going to make um, the final cut. Yeah, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think like it, it, you can feel the 
um, this is kind of an acceleration date of like we have to squeeze in like all of these conversations about where the where the relationship's going, and we also have to like put them in a bed together. Yeah, and like you know just try and like as quickly as possible try and tick a lot of boxes that haven't been covered yet. But it's just kind of a little bit. I mean, you know, Lockie's already kind of made some pretty big decisions. I think ultimately what we're doing, I think, is setting up the stakes for next week when one of these women will have to go home and we want the heartbreak to look real and genuine and also like we want to be endeared to Izzy. Remember when Ellie went home last season and she was mm. kind of like the fun bubbly one who everyone was like, I'm on your side. And now yeah. we kind of feel maybe the same way. Do you feel the same way? That's a good question about Izzy that you did about Ellie last year, either of you? It's a tricky comparison because um, Ellie made it all the way to the final two, right? No. So, no? No, Abby oh, came second. She got fourth. Oh, of course. Yeah. Wait, real? Oh, my God. I can't believe. <laughs> All right. So it's basically around the same spot. Yes. Well, then, yeah, they're exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting the same edit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think so. You, you, you want to love them and you hope that they end up together, but you can just know in the back of your, your, your sort of mind, you know that they haven't had that connection. Right, and mm. so I mm. want good things for Izzy in the same way that I wanted good things for Ellie, and it all fell apart uh, with Ellie, with the, the conflict with Abby, and now we're going to see Ellie and her sister Becky in a, in a few months as the dual bachelorettes, but it's time right now for the best three minutes of the season because Juliet <laughs> is going off at the cocktail party. This is iconic. It's so good. It's so good. She describes Bella as dull and dead in the eyes. (laughs) And then she does an impression of Irina as a grandma asking Lockie if he needs his nappy changed. This is a roast. We have toasts on the next episode and this is the roast. Yeah, this is definitely the roast of Lockie Gilbert and all of the other women in the house. And then she saddles up to Lockie and says this. I could be talking to TikTok stars in my DMs right now. Young Thugs producer, The Chainsmokers, Harvey Luna. I don't know who Harvey Luna is, but I know who the other two are. And Lockie's sitting there I did a small amount of research. Oh, please tell me. (laughs) Well, I just, I don't really know who Harvey Luna is. I didn't watch a lot of the TikToks, but I did just want to quickly check and see if Harvey Luna is still following Juliet. (laughs) And unfortunately, no, it's not. It's no longer the case. It wasn't to be. Well, I'm glad you guys know what TikTok is, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm like TikTok. What? No, no, no. That's not real. Song? <laughs> yeah, look, she's a busy woman. She's got chain smokers to reply to. And interesting that you did the Harvey Luna deep dig, Zave, because um, I looked at the chain smokers, and mm-hmm. um, I can confirm that at the very least there is some big dick energy here from Juliet to be DMing the chain smokers while also not following them. Wow. What a boss. I didn't know you could even do that. <laughs> That's going straight into the other messages folder. Right? Um, her other messages folder. <laughs> yeah, true. They've probably replied and she doesn't even know. <laughs> She's not acknowledged it. Yeah. It bleeds into this beautiful bit of editing. Maybe my favorite bit of the season. Um, they straight fade to black on Juliet talking about all these other men that she could be with and here's why you're wrong, Lockie. She's like, hey, I got DMs to get back to. <laughs> and then she says, like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Lol. And then she disappears. <laughs> this has to be the best exit in Bachelor history, I, I have agree. to say. Oh like, God. we sat there and, like, I think Alicia and I were just watching and our jaws hit the ground. We were like, this is amazing. It's <laughs> I so was good. speechless. Yeah, and, like, the it rises from the fade to black and we see Juliet... Not saying a word, 
on her way out yeah. of the mansion in a limo. And then Lockie says this. I did the right thing sending Juliet home. I don't <laughs> think she's the right person for me. How many times do you reckon they had to take that? Because I reckon he would have, like, he would have been, you know, I think he would have said some expletives during that, that conversation. Yes. <laughs> and like, lucky, lucky, we, we just need a nice little exit interview. Nice here. little clean, right. give us in two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the end of Juliet forever. Literally, that is all, folks. We only hear from Osha, who editorializes that uh, Juliet and Lockie are, quote, on different paths and she will not be returning. What, do you, what is that code for? <laughs> Let's now talk about Bella and Irina because Bella finally has made the decision to talk to Lockie about everything that's going on with mean old Irina. She says to camera, in all of my relationships, there's always going to be another woman who ends up manipulating things and getting the sympathy, which to be honest, sounds a lot more like a you problem than you think it does. It's one of those things where you hear and you're just like, oh my goodness, what are you doing on The Bachelor? This is not a good environment for you. Fully. Like, if you're worried about other women showing up, here's 25 of them. Right. Um, But she goes to Lucky with it, saying, Irina, I don't want her manipulating her way through any of this. And then you getting on the outside and being like, I don't know who you are. And this surprises Lockie. He says, are you sure about this? And Bella says, I live with her. It's a web of lies she's created. And she forgets the fact that she's lied about them, which again, sounds much more like a you problem than you think it does. I, Mm. yeah, we cop this from Lockie and confessional. I'm being told what to think of someone else. What I've been told tonight won't make me think any differently about Irina, but it might make me think differently about, Bella. Glenn, did you think this was reasonable? Um, yeah. Well, I kind of like, I, I know that people are like really, you know, like disconnecting with Bella on this, but I, yeah. I really feel for Bella because you can see that she's just as much in love with, with Lockie and everyone has a different way of dealing with things. And sure. I think this is, you know, Irina's really disconnecting, you know, just focusing on herself. Whereas Bella's in this dilemma, like you can, she's going through it and, and she's projecting like her own insecurities. And I think yeah. that's what, it's to yeah. her own detriment. She's self-sabotaging unknowingly. And I think, um, I'm sure her looking back at this going, I just wish I hadn't done that. But it's just how, you know, some people deal with those, you know, emotions at the time. And um, yeah, I think... It's just unfortunate she she had to go through that. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's not a good way of dealing. I'm sure she has reflected back and maybe, um, yeah, thought she could probably deal with it differently. I think it is that thing, like, the the situation that The Bachelor puts you in forces you to be, like, comparing yourself against other people all the time. Yeah. And I think particularly given lockdown and the fact that they had a bit of a friendship and they had been, you know, keeping in contact with each other and that sort of thing, it's sort of... Uh, inevitable that there would be not just tension between them, but also like that level of comparison of being like, you know, this is what her connection's like and mine doesn't feel just like that. Or, you know, I'm seeing different p- parts of it that than what she's seeing and that kind of thing. So, you know, you can understand that really getting to you on, on a very personal level. Right. And as much as I sit here saying, you know, this is more of a you problem than you think it is, you know, what I think that we're probably talking about is like, the way that this manifests in like acrimony is super unfortunate because the way that it bleeds into her relationship with Lockie is that she says a bunch of this stuff that he doesn't need to hear, you know, and not in the, the sense of like Irina sucks, but more in the sense of like, 
I'm telling you how to feel about someone. Yeah, and no one ever likes to be told how to feel. So right, it, right. But in that in that environment, I think it's been what what's been so interesting about this season, I, and I've I've found this very interesting this season compared to a lot of other seasons, is that you know a lot of the front runners for you know the Bachelor Bachelorette have normally been quite close and friendly, right. whereas this season has been completely different. It's been like there's this big tension, and um, yeah, it's been very interesting in the dynamics of you know Lockie having to deal with that and. And, you know, the two front runners obviously are, are, are disliking each other and him having to be put in the middle. Right, and mm. so much mm. spite coming out of a relationship that was initially so close. And it does make for, unfortunately, great TV and great drama. But it does, as you say, put Lockie right in the middle of it. But for his part, I think that he handled it pretty well. So we get to the rose ceremony and it's time for Bella to receive her rose. And Lockie puts it... And Lucky picks it up and then dramatically puts it down. He says, can I take you for a second, Bells? And takes Bella outside, telling her, I saw a side of you tonight that I didn't like too much. And this is like, this is emotional responsibility, right? I, I'm kind of here for Lucky saying to Bella, I didn't like this and I really like you. So what's up? Yeah, it is an interesting, like, uh, framing device or, you know, mechanic, I guess, on the show that you see quite often where it's the sort of stern talking to before giving the rose and you, you're biting your nails wondering whether or not they'll get the rose, but they do. But it's just that, la- you know, that that moment where the bachelor or bachelorette really wants to make that person sweat for a minute. Well, yeah, there's a real power imbalance if you think of it that way. Like, um, is it dad giving Bella some stern discipline or is it like Bella maybe saving herself by saying like, I don't want her to get in between us and then grabbing him by the arm and pulling him back aside, which is what happens. Like, um, Mm. basically she's like, I don't want Irina to get in between us. And Lockie, it just, it doesn't seem to be what he needs to hear in that moment. Lockie was really, you know, he's really trying to check, um, Bella on this. It was like, what you've done, I'm not happy with. And, and he was almost trying to draw a response out of her. And, and, and to be honest, it didn't seem like the right response or, you know, like, but um, yeah, he sort of walked in and you could, you could almost see it on his face. Like when he was standing there, like he was just like, like, yeah, the, the distress on his face to go through this, but yeah, he obviously ended up choosing Bella and yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. You know, you get it from him again where he's like, okay, cool. Let me just make sure that I saw what I saw and that I'm hearing what I'm hearing correctly. And she repeats it. And, you know, she's saying, like, uh, Irina means nothing to me in the big scheme of things. And he's like, oh, this isn't this isn't it. But eventually, you know, she sort of, like, gets around to, like, there's depth to what we have and you can't deny what we have. And to which Lockie says, I don't deny it. Like, it's a call and response in a musical. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, like, I'm sorry, I just don't want to lose you. And... Bella does end up getting the rose and it doesn't feel as much like a second chance as much as it just feels like um, he's gaining information here. And so we say goodbye to Steph and Maddie Mm. and it's a shame, but it's also like, I want to take this like somewhat rare moment to appreciate what feels like some pretty clear signposting of like the reasons that Lockie is sending particular people home on this episode. Sure. Because it's been a bit of an issue that I've had with this season that it almost feels a little bit arbitrary, the people that are being sent home at the end of an episode. And, like, you can't necessarily link, you know, because obviously maybe the connection's just not there with, like, the majority of these women or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can't necessarily link it to, like, something that happened that week or whatever. It's kind of just, like, this was the next person to go. But, like, you know, Steph had a single date where they clearly weren't 
quite clicking, I think, this week. And, you know, Maddie and Lockie clearly never really had that much we of a connection. Connect in lockdown. And obviously when Thanos snapped his fingers and Juliet blinked out of existence, <laughs> Lockie wasn't left with a lot of choice there either. So how do you how do you do this in the emotional response in the emotionally responsible way, Glenn? How do you break up with someone on TV? Um, wow, that's a that is a tough question, and I'm glad I've never had to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and that is exactly why I've never become the Bachelor. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, um, I think do a lot of that. Yeah, like you know, that's where I find like Lockie's so interesting because he really has, as I said before, like invested in in you know putting his his foot forward with every girl and and giving them the time. But you know, we're getting to that pointy end where he's had you know some intimate moments with someone like Steph. Yeah. Um, and like has got to send a home and, and, and how you do that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's never easy, but I think um, you've just got to rip the band-aid off. I, I mean, I kind of feel like we saw that a little bit uh, from you in Paradise with your chats with Mary and with Eleanor where you were just sort of like, okay, cool, this is how I feel about it. Sorry, but this is what I'm invested in. And it is rare to see that on the show. Yeah, I think especially in the um, not so much obviously Bachelor or Bachelorette, you don't see that because they've got to you know they've got to pad out. They can't you can't yeah. just have Lockie turning up on night one and sending ten people home like it doesn't make a TV <laughs> show. Whereas I think you know Paradise, like I think that's where like like obviously not you know I went in there with a you know a genuine um, outlook. If, if I wasn't going to meet someone, I was going to go home. I didn't want to hang around. Don't. Yeah. Whereas I think you know there's a lot of people who will you not not. You know, I think we saw that between Cass and Ranga a little bit. There was that sort of floated through for quite a while and yeah. someone just didn't go, nah, there's nothing here. Whereas sort of, yeah. I don't know, I I had that with, you know, Mary straight up and I was like, look, I'm just going to put it out there straight away. Yeah. Um, and and I had that with, you know, quite a few of the girls and, and I, I think it's just a, the right thing to do in the paradise circumstance because then, you know, you push the other relationships through, people can focus on instead of pursuing someone else and... Right, right, and like the mm. show succeeds to a certain extent on that ambiguity, but it's also kind of like um, it's a show about options at the end yeah. of the day and uh, what options people have and who people they can love pursue. keeping their options open. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, like uh, so much of maybe what we saw with Naranga and Cass was the ability for both of them to you know use each other to keep their options open. Yeah, and, and I think that's part of paradise as well. Like, right. I think it, it was talked about friendship roses, God, bloody friendship roses. Like, <laughs> sick of talking about them. But, like, it, there, is a, there is the part of it, Jamie giving friendship roses. But I think yeah. that's where I think what I think wasn't shown, like, one night when Jamie was next to um, Litany, like, me and Alicia and um, had a really long chat with him about, you know, friendship roses and you should just let him um, let – Litany go like you've had your time but he just deep dive into this like I want love and yeah it's it's sort of hard people get wrapped up in their own story and and they put themselves first I guess and right and that's where where people um you know really go they don't want to cut people off and, and say I'm not interested yeah it's fascinating because like people are compelled to act in their own self-interest it ties in quite nicely I think this idea of keeping your options open with this question of disclosure that we talked about last episode Zave so like um what happens here is um suddenly firstly there's only five women remaining and that means that in the last five episodes we've lost like 14 women which is just unbelievable right that's crazy. yeah um but there's a real acceleration huh yeah but we get this question from Caitlin who says to Bella 
why did Lucky pull you aside at the rose ceremony? And Bella says, we had a little chat about some things that went down during the night. And Caitlin continues, what part was he questioning? And Bella says, I think a few stories that went around that night. And this is the disclosure thing. Like Bella is so upset about Irina selectively editing perhaps some of what she had to say about her relationship with Lucky in lockdown and when they were texting and all that sort of stuff. But I think here Mm. we're seeing it's probably human nature for us all to tell the story that makes us uh, the protagonist. You know what I mean? Like, or that like reflects us in uh, in a better light than maybe the the way that it played out. And I think maybe that ties into what you're saying, Glenn, about the way that people perceive themselves in paradise and also broadly the lack of self-awareness that some people can display on the show. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think, I think that the, the key is like, I think going back to that self-awareness, I think, I think that's what the, what most people come out of these shows. Like if I was to learn anything um, to come out of Bachelor and um, Paradise, um, is that you really do become self-aware. You get to yeah. see yourself on screen. You get to see how you interact with other people in, in not just, you know, happy situations, but conflict. And I think that's where, like, even I thought, I, I'm, I think I'm very self-aware, but, like, even more so now having been on the show. And I think that's why you sort of get that, you know, characters, you'll see them in The Bachelor and then they sort of bloom in Paradise or some others maybe not bloom. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, you know, that self-awareness of, you know, how you interact with um, the other cast members. Right, mm. because you see yourself and you're aware also that there's a production happening and you want to be... I think everyone wants to be held in a good light by the production and by the the country that they're going to be put in front of because there's a significant audience who are invested in this product. Yeah, that that's right. So next, I just wanted to flag the 100% winner confessional here from Irina over this soft piano music. She says, Every man I've dated, the girl he's been with after me, he's married. And so being here and knowing that Lockie is dating three other women at the same time makes you feel so small and little and pathetic, but I'm hopeful that we still end up together. And the reason that I'm so confident in this, in being like the winner confessional, is that so far we've not been encouraged to feel any sympathy for Bella to the same degree, you know? Like I, mm. I think about like how we're sitting here and at least I am like, I'm feeling real sorry for Irina in this moment in a different way to, as you say, Glenn, like feeling sorry for Bella for, you know, like not being able to have that one back, have that conversation and like knowing that the show is going to be presenting her in a particular way because that's what she's putting forward. This, I was like, ouch, man, like that hurts for her. And I think that what it's predicated on is making us hopeful that they end up together too. Does that make sense? I almost feel like the stuff with Bella's granddad was the attempt to elicit some sympathy there. And I wonder if that stuff might come back up again during the hometowns this oh, week. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, they're almost like they've, they've sort of been on a different keel all the way through. Like you, you resonate with Bella and then it's now really shifted to Irina. And, mm. but, you know, commonly what we'll probably see in the next couple episodes is they'll really even that compassion out between the two of them. Yeah, and, you know, you really then have to make your own evaluation. Right. right. And like, I wonder if by the end of it, what we're meant to see is how strongly Lucky feels for both of these women and how both of these women would be viable partners for him. Did we skip the like breakfast, <laughs> the coffee thing? Almost certainly. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. The Swan Con again. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, <laughs> Shock. I did, 
<laughs> I did just want to take a moment to talk about the the breakfast thing because, like, you know, the the final group date's coming, but not before they uh, have some quote unquote breakfast. Lockie says, "I'm not the best cook, so coffee." And then they play out the exact same little Starbucks like tableau that they had from the previous episode, even down to like I think some of the shots are like the exact same. Um, and then Osha says. It's so hard to believe that for some of you, it's been over four months since you first arrived at the mansion. And I think there's some side eye in him saying for some of you, because he kind of <laughs> looks at Caitlin and back. <laughs> and then with glee, which I've never heard before, he says, 2020 is one for the record books, not just here in Australia, but all around the world. What is going on? In, in what world is that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> Are we supposed to be celebrating this? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's crack one open. You know, let's crack one open with Lockie for this. Yeah, exactly. But then for this group date, it's uh, the, the idea is that they'll all be proposing a toast to Lockie, right? Yeah. So it's a good thing they didn't fill up too much of breakfast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. A toast. Good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so the idea, I guess, is they're like sort of submitting their written application for the final single date before hometowns, right? Yeah, that's kind of what's happening here. And like it's sort of like predicated on this idea that the women will have to read the toast from like a faux proposal, reading my diary situation. But the whole thing is that we're watching on on screens in the mansion as the women pour their hearts out, which means that right. Bella will have to watch Irina and Irina will have to watch Bella. I don't know, Lockie's role in all this seems to be like um, sipping champagne in his denim shirt and saying, I love that to every yeah, woman. just going, oh, yeah, oh, it has been good, hasn't it? Yeah. He's definitely playing Switzerland. He's just, you know, he doesn't yeah. really give too much away of any yeah. of them. Right, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is what you, say, you said earlier of like, these women are saying so much, like there's so much emotional language being used here. And he's like, da da dee da dee da dee dee dum For her part, Bella says that Lucky is home to her, that finding the right person can set you free. Home doesn't have to be a place. It can be a person. Fuck, man. (laughs) Write it on a Kmart mark. Got the lines. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, I would decorate my house with that. Yeah, say it ain't so, I will not go, etc. And... (laughs) Like, coming out of this, Lucky does decide to take Bella on the last single date before hometowns. We get this whole thing now about Bella's eyes. Um, mm. Lucky loves them, as it turns out. Oh, yeah. Simply he can't resist. Can't get enough of those big old orbs. He's been dropping eye chat the whole season. Uh, bring a bucket and a mop for those wet-ass pupils. <laughs> <laughs> like a... Brown pizza inside <laughs> each half of her face. Uh, he also then calls Bella a little shit and says, "Can't wait to see her." Is this cute? I can't nice. decide. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't, like this is yeah just very interesting foreplay. He's like just like I like I get frustrated at her, but then she looks at me with those big brown eyes and everything's okay. I'm like, well, is it though? Like, yeah, really? right, hundred percent. Like because like this is the the language of arguments that we'll get to in just a second because like. There might be some problems, and we're looking at her eyes, and she's beautiful, yes, but mm. what's what's to be gained here, and like, what does that say about your future? For this date, though... I think the idea of this date is so good, and the fact that they managed to put it together so quickly after this conflict um, is really... So, like, you know, the idea is they're doing kintsugi, which is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with, like, gold or silver or platinum... 
And the idea is that breakage is part of the history of the object and that there's beauty in imperfection. And if one of your girlfriends is upset that you're getting too close with one of your other girlfriends, you can talk about it for about 10 seconds and then decide that it really doesn't matter that much so after all. Me and Alicia had an argument the other night and I just smashed a plate in the living room and we, we sat down <laughs> and glued it together. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah, it's a metaphor, you see, because of the arguments. Mm. This is what's happening on the show with the arguments and then they're oh. putting the plate back together. Like the argu- know, mm? I don't know if I got that on first watch, mm. but that actually makes a lot of sense. There you go. They, this mm. is why this is what I bring to the, the podcast here. It's very subtle, Also, yeah. definitely an underrated Death Cab album. Um, Which one's that? Kitsungi. Oh, mm. I, I actually haven't listened to it's it. It's a ripper. It's so good. I was thinking about the number one dad's album, Golden Repair, which is also named oh. after this thing. Yeah, it just came out like last year. I thought it would be good if Tom Jansek was there, like serenading <laughs> them on the date. They're putting their plates back together and Lockie wants to address the shattered elephant in the room. And Bella gets it right this time. She says, I don't want to talk about Irina. You're my priority. I'm keen to do life with you. And they kiss. And this is the sort of thing that really placates Lockie, who also wants to move forward with things. And this is where I want to talk about the the language of arguing that they have. Because Bella calls these things little tiffs. Like they're small and cute and not at all revealing for potential problems down the road. Mm. And I wonder, like, I mean, yes, he's looking at her eyes and there's forgiveness and there's love and we love each other. But, like, I, do we all have the tendency to do this in relationships? Like, uh, excuse things early on because we've got love goggles on? I think it's, um, yeah, like, I think for most people that is, like, the, you put the goggles on and you, you dismiss all the, the red flags early on in a relationship and, and you push through. And then I think it's when they're reoccurring, that's when you, like, got to maybe address them. And I think yeah, it's yeah. not the arguments that are the problem in relationships. I think it's how people deal with them and the fallout afterwards. If you acknowledge yes. that you sit down and have a chat and you work through it, that's fine. But if you just sort of try and be like, oh, let's just, let's just move on and we're all good, I think that's when, you know, big things, small things you know, manifesting the bigger problems. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult to tell, like, because obviously they're compressing this stuff for, for TV and it's not worth it to just sit there and like actually hash it out. Like yeah. you might normally do, but it, it, it because of that, because of the way it's edited, it's difficult to tell if they're actually dealing with it or whether they're kind of just brushing past it because the editors are, dr- are brushing past it. Right. And so it's hard to say when Bella says in confessional, like she's like, it's healthy that we're arguing because I hung shit on Irina. I'm paraphrasing, but, um, <laughs> The um, is it healthy that they're arguing, or is it healthy that they are resolving the conflict now and talking about it? And how are they getting past it? And how do they feel in the aftermath of it? Because those hard feelings we saw it with Roxy, right? Like mm. they never resolved that. Where Roxy was upset that Bella um, and and Lockie ended up kissing just after she'd been on her single date, and that m- two months later and a pandemic later mm. ended up being this huge thing that was part and parcel of, I guess, why Roxy ended up going home. And you're exactly right, Glenn. And it's not about, like, what you're arguing about or necessarily even how you argue. It's how you resolve it. And when those things are still festering, still bubbling away, that's when it becomes all the more difficult. And the way that it resolves here is that Bella says, when you know, you know, you know. Mm. Mm, You know. All right, Pusha T. (laughs) 
I also wanted to quickly dig down on the phrase to do life with someone. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a real great little piece of like bachelor. Like it's, we're going to add it to the glossary. I think I, think I, think I, I used that real... on my, my post the other day. So don't <laughs> <dis> it. <laughs> Love doing life. In my life head, with I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, Xavier, shush. No, it's a good way. When you get your bachelor rule book and your handbook, they say, say, this is how you do life together. Life. You must use the phrase. Yeah. I just think it's funny because it's doing life is something that you normally do because you've committed some horrible crime, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, I was, looking at, <laughs> I was looking at things that you can get a life sentence for in Australia. Mm. Uh, did you know that as of the um, Crimes Act of 1914 in Australia, Christ. one of the offences punishable by life imprisonment is piracy, mm. which oh. might hypothetically even include using clips from Rex Hunt's fishing adventures <laughs> on your bachelor <laughs> podcast? <laughs> we paid credit Whoops. to the source. We're okay. Yeah, we're well, using it for review purposes, so I think That's it's right. a fair yeah. use thing. Yeah. Um, I would say the first <laughs> Ubiter is stronger than the second Ubiter. <laughs> Base is <Yeah>, covered. <laughs> then we hear Bella say to Lockie, I'm all in. I just want you to know that I'm falling in love with you. And Lockie says to her, I'm heading that way as well, which is pretty similar to what he says to Irina. I feel like this is the, like... DNA strand that we're going to keep intertwining all the way up until the finale and then to the camera he continues Bella makes me feel something I haven't felt in a long time and that's crazy because I don't know how to feel about that she's bloody perfect the feeling I have right now I never want to let go which is a strong statement I wonder if he Mm. said the same thing about Irina it's certainly the kind of thing that it feels like you can get away with saying in an in-the-moment interview and not to somebody's face at this point. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Lockie was like, like I, I wonder where he was going with that. Like, he, like mm. Bella didn't say directly, like, I love you, but like insinuating and, and the way, yeah, Lockie mm. deals with it is very much on the same the course as Irina. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I guess I wonder, like, is he uh, receiving both of those statements the same way as if they meant exactly the same <laughs> Your thing? Your call is important is a, to us. Right. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of linguistic difference between the two things that they said. And right. In this world, that stands for quite a lot. Now, Caitlin is also here at the final five. Sure. Why not? Uh, she's not had a single date yet. Um, no. And at this point, none of us are questioning who's going home, right? Mm. Well, it's like um, Alex from um, Angie's season. He, yes. he made type five, didn't get a lot of airtime, didn't get a date. You're like, oh, yeah, maybe you could get in there. It's like, there's no chance. No. Yeah. But then, like, I felt surprised by what I heard from Alex in Paradise in that I thought that he was quite charming and funny. Yeah. Is he a sweet boy? Yeah, absolutely. Alex is. Like, he is your sort of, like, lovely, down-to-earth guy, like, very quiet. Like, I, me and Alex, like, resonate very well. Like, I feel like we're very similar. Like, we're, we're quiet personalities. Um, we'll throw in our two cents when it's relevant, and um, and I think that's the you know that's why you get those sort, sorts of edits on the on the Bachelorette. Yeah, and mm. what was incredible about that was to watch Alex try to give Kira space, you know, <laughs> and try to like you don't exact- give Kira space, <laughs> right? No. Right, that is not the way that you deal necessarily with that. <laughs> but he was uh, God, God, he tried. He he was like he was doing the whole like you know just give me some space and run away, and like I think that was in at about lunchtime, and then mid afternoon. Um, she's back going like, where are you, Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's not how that works. (laughs) The show is also trying to set up the stakes here of whether or not Bella will come back from the single date with a rose because then maybe 
There's an avenue for Caitlin, but of course, Bella's going to come back with a rose. And of course, there's not too much to say from this point forward. Caitlin mm. doesn't get a rose. I think that she had a great arc this season, but there's not that much more to it unless they've, I'm missing any um, extremely subtle product placement. I think, what, wasn't it when, um, was it when Bella walked back into this cocktail party and then it was, Arena was really, really struggling with that part? Like, because I, I think Bella really came in and, you know, was saying how amazing it was the day. and Yeah, that's true. Yeah, And I think you could see the pain on Irina's face at that moment. Like, she'd been so confident after having that previous date. But I think that's what people really, I think being on that side, like I wasn't in that position ever, but you can see and resonate with that. Like, you've just been on this amazing date, Irina, and then Bella comes back having the same, um, you know, and, and gloats about it. And then you deal with those emotions and you could see Irina having that voxy and she was really distraught at that point. And you're like, hang on a minute, like, you're you're good. You've you've just had that date, but in that in that moment in the match, and I think you like she's questioning that connection. What is it like watching people who you have formed a friendship with dealing with those kind of emotions um, that are so intrinsically like linked to each other and how someone feels about them? Yeah, I think that if I relate to that. Like I remember because I was quite close with Carlin in the match, and we roomed yeah. together. We were in lockdown before we went into the match, and, and and I got to know him quite well. And it was really interesting watching his journey for like my whole five weeks there, um, and knowing he went on that first date, got really invested, and then he had to sit in the wings for so long. I could just it was you know debriefing him on days about other guys, you know, building connections, and you could just see it manifest in him, like you know, trying to keep that connection going. And I think. They always talk about the front runners, like you get that first couple of dates and then you, you drop back into the wings for a while. Right. This season, not so much because of COVID, but um, I just remember seeing Carlin like questioning his connection and 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 it's so quick people move away from that that time they've spent with the Bachelor Bachelorette um, that they question it straight away. Something will just trigger them like this yep. with Irina. And um, yeah, it's just amazing. It's like they, they just throw out all that, you know, rational thinking that all they see is this person's come back from another date and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not in the race anymore. Lockie doesn't love me. Like, Right. Like it's Occam's yeah, razor yeah. and the way that you add up the facts is super different depending on the day and depending on your feelings about how you feel about that person and also the baggage that you bring into the show, I guess. And like imagine being that dude and knowing that you have genuine feelings and having to sit and wait. And I guess that's the painful part of the show. Yeah, that's yeah. It. it. It really is. And so... Uh, we can look forward to more pain as the show continues. <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about our podcast? We sure are. <laughs> Episode 103, the pain app. <laughs> is next week the finale week? I think we're at almost finale, yeah. Christ. Yeah, I think so. This is insane. Hi, Dan. Hi, Danny. Hello, sorry. Hey. Hi, Hi, Danny. <laughs> you, you, should, you should allow Max to watch Rex Hunt Fishing Adventures. They're, they're an iconic... Iconic fishing series. Glenn's talking about how I should be allowed to watch Rex Hunt fishing adventures. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will bring us to the end of another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Glenn Smith, what a pleasure. Thanks for what having me, guys. It's been Thank great. Thank you so much. What a, what a nice time we've had. Please come back anytime. I know you haven't been on a podcast before. Yeah. Would you go on one again? <laughs> You popped my cherry, and yeah, this has been great. Like, I think I've been like, yeah, I was very concerned about doing my first podcast, but yeah, you've been very gentle. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Hey, also, I wanted to say thank you for coming on our podcast before coming on Alicia's podcast. Oh yeah, no, no. 
What podcast is she on? I don't even know. Like, it's a, I don't. Yeah, know who is she on with? I don't even remember his name. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is real yeah. or not? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Look, thank you for um, thank you for not dogging the boys. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Love. Thank you so much. We can find you on Instagram at glensmith eighty seven. We can find the air conditioning at where can we find the air conditioning? Perth City Air. Perth City Air. Can I just say you're looking great for eighty seven years of age? Yeah, yeah really <laughs> Thank good. You. Thank you. We you wouldn't believe how hard it was to get Glenn Smith as a handle. Glenn, thank you so much. We'll catch you Thanks, next time. Guys. Cheers for having me. Bye, buddy. Well, Zavy. Well, Maxi. Oh, look, we made another friend. We sure did. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's been what? One week? No. Two? Two weeks since we no, made we friends. We were already friends with our partners. Uh, I did just want to say it's been one week on the podcast. It's been. Hey. It's been. Uh, well, look, um, all you chickadee china Chinese chickens, we did come here to make friends with you too. <laughs> Watching X Files with no lights on. Um, I mean, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, mm-hmm. hope, the, hope the smoking man's in this one. Zave, mm. uh, what, what do you got to say? Well, look, it's funny you should mention that we made friends with Glenn because uh, we actually did come here to make friends. That's the spot. And so if you would like to, you know, I don't even care if you want to. At the end of the day, it's an obligation. You're obliged. Yeah. Get on down to social Very media. Very obliged to get on social media. <laughs> come on down to, what was it, the gimpy ute must? No, it's some fish. <laughs> what, what was Rex saying? I don't know. It was like the, the Pacific Ocean fucking boat conference. The Gimpy Fishmaster. <laughs> Taking part um, at the beautiful Sydney Olympic Park Novotel Hotel. Uh, please come and visit us at the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook. Um, you can find us posting lots of silly nonsense on there. Posting lots of Osh. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's in the name. We do what we say. Yeah. I wouldn't lie to you. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BOHpod. You can find myself, Xavier RN, at Xavier RN. Look, I'm on Instagram at Slengmyth. 87? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you managed to get it without the 87. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's about all I want to say just very quickly that it's been a great week to be a Zave head. Oh, often I wonder if I'm allowed to be a Zave head. I think you because... can be the president of your own fan club. Absolutely. Well, Evie's already got that I role. See. But I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. Actually, to be honest, I have not been the biggest fan of everything that I've done this week. <laughs> <laughs> kind of had a weird, weird week, but that's okay. Uh, but I, I just want to say thanks to the Zave heads for holding strong. Yep. Keeping it real and following that blinding bright light to their truth. Wow. Well, look, I would also like to shout out to the Zave Heads. Okay, yeah, cool. Yep. I just wanted to make sure that the Zave Heads, um, you know, knew that there are options out there. Um, <laughs> and that even really? if this week hasn't been that good for you, Zave Heads, um, it gets better. Hey, I mean, that means a lot to them, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, alrighty. Cool. Well, well. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Thanks again for swinging by. We love you. Listeners, we sure do. Goodbye! Goodbye!
for years Hearing your voice, music to my ears From the first moment you entered my life Just one hope